0: Welcome back to the Bridge TJU podcast with your host Angela Stever and today our guest is Faith Eckley. And want to tell us a bit about yourself, Faith?
1: Hi, I'm a Law and Society freshman this year and I'm really excited to be featured today.
0: Yeah, excited to have you. So if you didn't listen to our last episode, we talked a bit about Bridge, what it is, the national organization. So if you want to learn about the club, go ahead and give that a listen. And we also talked a little bit Um, about polarization and how that relates um, with different social media platforms. And Faith and I want to dive a bit deeper in that. So specifically on this episode, we're going to be talking about um, freedom of speech, what that means and um, how that's kind of integrated to different platforms such as Twitter. And then we'll also get on to a little bit about TikTok. I think we mentioned that last time, but we just want to talk about technology again in general. Uh, but more of on the individual level. So freedom of speech is a term that we throw around a lot, but what exactly does it mean? Um, So as Google says, freedom of speech is a principle that supports the freedom of an individual or community to articulate their opinions and ideas without fear of retaliation, censorship, and legal sanction. Um, And specifically, we are protected with freedom of speech in the constitution, But there are some limits with that, um, and those are certain types of speech that are harmful, such as fraud, obscenity, uh, fighting words, threats, that kind of stuff.
1: So freedom of speech can get tricky um, depending on what a person is saying. So, for example, in the Schenck versus U.S. uh, Supreme Court case, it was ruled that freedom of speech does have a limit when there's clear and present danger involved with the speech. So it just kind of shows how tricky it could get and how far the government can go with taking it to the Supreme Court when certain things are said.
0: Yeah, and I've definitely heard across the board a lot of people use uh, freedom of speech in ways it shouldn't. Like They'll go out and say these things that are not protected by freedom of speech and then say, oh, well, it's my freedom of speech mm-hmm. to be doing these, whatever it is, like hate crimes, threats um, to political powers. And they'll say, it's my freedom of speech. You're allowed to talk poorly, but you can't make threats. That, that is against um, that freedom. So to go off of that, we want to specifically focus on Twitter because there are some um, recent current events involving Elon Musk, but I want to give some background on Twitter itself. So Twitter was owned by Jack Dorsey um, and it was created in 2006, but that company is a platform where uh, many famous people, celebrities, but anyone can sign up and write a little little short thing out and tweet it. That's what they that's what they say. <laughs> but on April twenty fifth of twenty twenty two, Elon Musk uh, reached a deal to buy Twitter for forty four billion, which is an outrageous amount of money <laughs> if you think about it. But he wanted to take over the company because he was frustrated with the limitations. Um, If you notice a lot like during the 2020 election or with COVID, there was a lot of posts being taken down um, or being tagged with false information and a lot of people were getting pretty pissed about that and Elon Musk in particular, he said the platform Twitter is not living up to how it should be because it's not um, prioritizing freedom of speech. What do you think about that? (laughs)
1: So I'm not a Twitter user, but I feel like with any social media, because it's not, um, it's privately owned, right? Yeah. So technically, I guess the companies could censor what you say, Mm -hmm. especially if it's hateful or misinformed. I do use Facebook, and I know that when I'm on Facebook, if there's something political, um, most of the time a warning will pop up saying, do you want to share this or do you want to view this, knowing that. It's potentially, um, like, poor information. Mm-hmm. It could be incorrect. It's opinion-based. So I think that that needs to be shown on Twitter. And, of course, I feel like hate speech does need to be limited. But with freedom of speech itself on social media, especially, like, on Twitter, mm-hmm. I feel like um, the companies do have a right to say you can say this and you can't say that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I, I kind of fight back and forth with it in my head just because I feel like everyone should have the freedom of speech I and it's not fair. Like, I know the whole thing with the Joe Rogan podcast, he got, like, everything taken off. I don't think that was fair completely to him because he worked hard for that podcast. Um, I mean, there should have just been a warning, like, of the same misinformation warning rather than completely removing him. I don't think that's fair. But I do like the ideas that the people in charge um, are able to make that. If you don't agree with it, don't be on the app. Um, People complain too much, I think. And if you don't agree with a policy, like, why are you supporting that company then? And I feel like Twitter in general has always been the app where people can say whatever they want. And it's very rare it gets taken down. Like, um, because aren't Instagram and Facebook, like, they're all owned by the same company now, Meta.
1: Yes, I think Facebook and Instagram are definitely owned same company. Mm -hmm. But Twitter is just itself. It's independent. Yeah,
0: it's always been independent. I know Facebook and Instagram are the ones that have gotten stricter with that Um, limitations of what you can say. Like, I know things will get flagged down all the time. And I'm iffy with it, because, like, sometimes I feel like it's ridiculous what they Mm -hmm. flag down, Um, but especially for, like, all the kids and people on the app who don't know better, and even, like, the older people. Like, they'll (laughs) see stuff on (laughs) Facebook, and they don't know. (laughs) Same with scams. Like, they don't know. That Mm stuff should all be flagged. Um, So, like, I don't know how I feel about that on Twitter. Um, But going back to Elon Musk, so this was all happening in April. I remember reading it in the news. Um, everyone was kind of freaking out about what was gonna happen, um, but after many months of like lawsuits, all this stuff went on <laughs> between that. Elon Musk is the official owner um, as of October, so he closed that forty-four billion dollar deal, and as soon as he took ownership, um, a lot broke loose Mm -hmm. so if you've been keeping up with the news you might have seen these little things but um faith and i have looked into it a bit of the specifics
1: according to ap news um elon musk is very big specifically on twitter enforcing its election integrity policies and i just want to clarify from earlier what i said about freedom of speech on twitter and social media i really do value freedom of speech I think it's very important for people to be able to speak their opinions even if they can come across as controversial Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's important in politics and online specifically I think it's okay for people to voice their political opinions on social media I do think that it's a company's responsibility to say and warn people that this is opinion-based this isn't fact because I think a lot of times this Especially on Facebook, that gets misconstrued and yeah. really lost in translation. Yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs>
1: but I, I think um, political opinions are fine. I think opinions that aren't hurting anybody and that are known as opinion is okay. But when it falls under threats or harassment, I think that's when the company, it's okay for the company to step in and say, we don't tolerate this. This is a private um, company. Mm-hmm. And we're telling you that you can't say this. We are going to remove it.
0: Yeah, and that that pretty much aligns um, with what the Constitution protects us on, too. Mm -hmm. So, I agree. And whatever the company decides to do, I mean, that's what they do. So, there's nothing we can do. Um, But I found some more information on what happened after Musk took over. So, he laid off roughly half of the workforce of Twitter, which... That caught me off guard, and he did that to cut costs. But for closing that $44 billion um, purchase, I I don't think cost is an issue. So, yeah, very, very ironic. But um, I also found a note that before Musk took over the company, Twitter had rules against impersonating other accounts, Um, and they did that because they didn't want to mislead, confuse, or deceive others, which makes sense. So any parody or fan accounts, they had to specifically say somewhere that they were a parody um, of who they're um, impersonating. Um, And that's important, I think, especially with Twitter, just because there's verified accounts, they have that little check mark next to it. And there are a bunch of celebrities or big political figures that use Twitter as a big platform, since it's just typically speech rather than instagram showing pictures so
1: and social media too i feel like is really growing
0: mm-hmm. with
1: politicians trying to target younger like our generation yeah i've noticed um when i'm on tiktok too it's a lot of politicians jump jumping on the trends that our generation is setting yeah on social media. <laughs> so they are trying to like i think politics is getting more mainstream with social media, mm-hmm. which I think in a way is smart if you're trying to target like our generation, mm-hmm. the newer set of voters. But then I think that's where it can kind of get messy as well because not only are just the politicians and their verified accounts getting involved, it's now, like, I feel like every time I open a social media app, and I, I'm not a Twitter user, but every time I open another social media app, a lot of, it's very politically based.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: political based. And also too, um, apparently, we um, kind of mentioned when we weren't recording that Musk does get a little political sometimes, not mm-hmm. a lot, but it I feel like it's clear who he associates with.
0: Yeah, he's definitely said who he supports and he doesn't identify specifically with like one <laughs> party or another um he isn't a political leader he isn't always like supporting one side he's more about the candidate which i respect so that's how it should be um but he definitely uses his platform like you said to um announce that in times or he'll even like retweet it or Uh like it it's mostly on twitter i'll see (laughs) and
1: i mean bridge the club really in like highlights the idea that no matter your political opinion we still have to be civil and hear each other out. And I think that's very important.
0: Yeah. Everyone's opinion matters. um, And everyone speaks on their own. Like everyone's opinion is their own. They don't speak for a group of people. They don't speak for a party. Mm -hmm. Like no offense, but in bridge, we don't care what party you're in. It does not matter. We aren't going to go around and be like, Oh, you're left wing. That means you only like this, this and this, or you're right wing. You only like this, this and this. That's not what it's about.
1: (laughs) And I think that we need to unify, especially our generation is now getting into politics. We're able to vote. And I feel mm-hmm. like if we want to see any change, we have to start now. I think that starts with just having civil conversations and promoting that it's okay to talk about your opinion, even if it's not what you think others want to hear, and that politics shouldn't be as taboo as it is. Yeah. It should divide us. We should be able to have...
0: A respectful conversation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think social media, especially on platforms of like older generations, mm-hmm. like Facebook, it's gotten so toxic with the politics it has. It's and so bad. Uh, yeah, everything's just so extreme. But we need to be having these conversations um, in a more caring matter and actually hearing the other person. So I don't think political things should be taken down because. People need to see that and be having those conversations or educate one another. A big thing I'll see, which will make me happy if it's a conversation in a civil way, is someone will voice their opinion and people in the comments are like, hey, actually, did you read this article? Or they'll have some source. Like, that's what I want to hear. Just trying to enlighten people, not change their opinion. Just let them know if they're not aware already.
1: That's the respectful conversation that I was thinking of earlier talking about it, Mm -hmm. is that hearing somebody else's opinion, even if you disagree strongly with it, to try to use reason so, to get your point across. So not just jumping and being like, you're terrible for thinking that. Just to be like, yeah. hey, did you read about this? Or did you think of it this way? Mm-hmm. Trying to like maybe get them to empathize and understand where you're coming from. Then maybe start working towards a middle ground, trying to understand each other.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and in platforms such as Twitter, when... I I don't remember off the top of my head what the character limit is, but you're talking in very small amounts on Twitter. That's, like, a big part of the app, which is nice. You're just reading, like, little snippets. You don't get to hear the full background of someone. So there can be a lot of hate in that way where someone voices their opinion and then someone else will jump right in, spew some hate without really knowing the individual and understanding why they think a certain way. But... Again, all important things that should be out there, shouldn't be limited. So Musk jumps in saying he's going to stop all this, promise free speech, but ironically in the news, (laughs) he's been blocking people or like (laughs) shooting them off Twitter because of impersonating him. So some popular celebrities or famous people, Kathy Griffin, Ethan Klein, um... Another act, oh, Mad Men actor, Rich Sumner, they all changed their accounts to impersonate Musk, just kind of. They were doing it as a way, not like riot, I can't think of the word, <laughs> like um, defiant oh, right. <laughs> towards Musk, because I guess they weren't really happy with him in general. So they changed their profile pictures, they changed their name, but. It's ironic because they changed her display name, which you can make anything. It doesn't have to be your name, but you can't change your Twitter handle. So their Twitter handle would still be whatever they are. Their, dis- their display name said Elon Musk, and they changed their picture to be Elon Musk. Elon Musk got so butthurt, he um, kicked them off the platform. And because, apparently, they didn't say that they were a parody or fan account, even though they're far from fans. But... I just think it's really ironic with what he was saying all boldly, and then he comes and does this, like, the first week he's owning Twitter. What do you think?
1: (laughs) I just think that he can't be hypocritical about it. If you're preaching freedom of speech, I think you have to fully jump on board with freedom of speech, especially when it comes to something that they were just, like you said, defiant against him. Yeah, They didn't do anything threatening or hateful. They... I think Kathy Griffin, isn't she a comedian?
0: Yeah, I found exactly what she tweeted, which I didn't see. I just saw it in the news. She was pretending to be Musk with the profile picture, the display name, not the handle name, just the display name. And she wrote, I've decided that voting blue for their choice is only right. And the reason she tweeted that pretending to be Musk is because he recently um, said something about embracing the Republican Party. I'm not sure if that was for California uh, specifically, because in the past he's endorsed um, Democratic individuals. Like I said, he's back and forth, always about a candidate. But he said that um on Monday, I guess coming up with election day, and then Kathy tweeted that, and then she got immediately suspended. We don't know if that's permanent, but for the time being, it is. <laughs> So after Griffin, Griffin was um, banned from Twitter, Musk was replying to other tweets. And he often, I notice he's like, <laughs> he's always on Twitter replying to people that aren't famous. But he replied to someone talking about Griffin being taken off. And he said, actually, she was suspended for impersonating a comedian. So he thinks it's all funny, um, even though it's like some serious things. I don't know. But he also is doing something which I don't really understand fully. Maybe we'll get some more information in the future. But now he's trying to charge people to get that Twitter verification when really I think celebrities or famous people like had to have a certain amount of followers or go through a process to ensure it's really them to get that verification. I don't know why he's charging $8 because then anyone could get verified and that doesn't make any sense. So maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but... He said here for $8, she could get her account back for the premium verification. So whatever, moving on. (laughs) Um, A political leader, David Sachs, replied saying that what the Kathy Griffin uproar amounts to a bunch of elites who support censorship, telling free speech advocates that we're not sufficiently based unless we permit identity theft. Not a serious argument, and we certainly don't need lectures from you. So basically, everyone's getting upset about the impersonation, Mm -hmm. and that was followed by social media star Ethan Klein, also impersonating Musk. And I saw a TikTok from him that he put it was a parody account in the background picture, but he was still taken off. So, yep. (laughs) And then um, the actor, Summer, did that after Klein, and he got suspended as well.
1: And you brought up censorship too, which is a very scary thing
0: because,
1: mm-hmm. um, especially with everything going on in schools right now with wanting to ban certain books, yeah. I feel like people trying to censor, whether it's social media, whether it's things you're learning in school, that's very scary. Cause I think in order to form a full opinion, opinion, you need to see and read and hear everything, not just what somebody's telling you, you should.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really ironic because not to get too political or Mm -hmm. make political assumptions, excuse me, um, but a lot of that book banning in schools is happening from right-wing people who don't want certain books that have diverse perspectives or things that they don't believe should be taught at a certain age, but it's typically coming from that side. But then those are the people that don't want censorship on social media like all yeah, the people government yeah and everything
1: so I do not trying to get like political but back to the whole censorship in schools and book banning I feel like some of the best books I've read and that have had the biggest impacts on me were the ones with topics that are hard mm-hmm. and were tough to read But that's what made the book so impactful, and it relates to real-life things.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like my high school was really good about inclusion and reading those um, tough books or articles, and I'm glad I had that exposure because... It's not like we just went into them with no background. We would learn a little bit about the topic. Mm-hmm. The teacher would give us a warning, content warning. We'd yes. even maybe skip parts if they were mm-hmm. like not appropriate. It's not like they were just shoving oh, it in our no, yes. face or traumatizing us. I had a positive experience with those topics that were presented.
1: I also had an, uh, an experience where I was given a choice mm-hmm. to be able to pick what I want to read and to be given that warning that it's going to get heavy. And it was handled in a... in a good way I was able to say yes this is my choice to read this book knowing what is going to be going on ahead
0: yeah exactly um and another thing just like segueing off of that is I feel like when you're at the high school level you kind of should be able to speak for yourself even though you're not like officially adult for most of that you should be able to say like hey I think I can handle that or maybe not but maybe for younger, middle schooler down, like, parents could just know or have that approval. Like, I remember mm-hmm. middle school, they would have to, like, sign off on watching a certain movie that yes. touched on something. But I think at a high school level, students can advocate for themselves. I
1: agree. And I think um, going back to the younger level of reading where kids maybe don't fully understand that stuff. Yeah. They may not be ready and they may not be able to voice that opinion for themselves. I don't think that a parent, just because their child is already, I don't think that they have the right to ban that for every kid who may be able to handle that, and their parents may be okay with that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, everyone is different. <laughs> we shouldn't have things uniform in um, both extremes. Mm-hmm. I don't think everything should be banned. I don't think curriculum should be completely changed to include all these woke topics, as they say. <laughs> Um, I think there should be a good balance where we're properly educating kids the way they should be. Um, But the censorship is just going way too far.
1: (laughs) It's definitely stemming outside of social media.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So some books that are up for being banned that people are pushing to be banned in schools, including high school and middle schools, are To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. I feel like that is considered a classic. And I read that, Seventh or eighth grade. Did you read that at school?
0: Yeah, I read it in 10th grade English. And I think we read it a little later because each year had a different theme. Um, so, ninth okay. grade was like, we did a more like Eastern or European readings Uh um and literature but 10th grade was american literature so we did read that and seeing that on the list that like broke my heart a bit just because that's such an amazing book and it is a more recent classic so it's easy to read Uh um there are topics of racism that's why they want to ban it because they think it's like too hard for people to read but i think it's important like even if the teacher can guide through or i remember we like learned about some things during that time just to have a background. I mean, we always always kind of learn about, like, racism during that time, um, prejudice and all that. But having some background before going into the book just helps for those tough parts. Um, but I do not think it should be banned. <laughs>
1: um, going off of that, some more books that are popular, I think in mainly public schools, are The Giver, The Color Purple by Alice Walker, um, which I read my senior year. That was a heavy book but it is now my favorite book. I think just some of the themes are very heavy, but the way that the characters progress and grow throughout the book, it's it's an incredible read. But for a book that heavy, once again, I feel like it was handled in a way where I was given the choice to read it. I Mm -hmm. was told that it was going to be heavy. I had the chance to opt out. I had the chance to pick other books. But I was given the choice. Uh huh. So it wasn't like, oh, it was banned. I didn't get the choice whether I could handle it or not. But it was guided. I was given background information. Yeah. Um, The Kite Runner, which we talked, we both read.
0: Oh book. yeah. That is such a good book, and there are some hard topics in that, but it does help you see things through a survivor's point of view, and a, and a survivor in like many different aspects. Mm-hmm. That's just a very well written. Um, and same with that, I was advised ahead of time. That was a required reading for summer, but we were told of some heavy topics, just some like trigger warnings. It wasn't just thrown in our face. It didn't come out of nowhere.
1: Um, the Perks of Being a Wallflower.
0: That, is that because it's about suicide, probably?
1: Yes, that's heavy with um, mental health topics.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Some more are, um, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, my Angelou um drama which i think is more of like a preteen book i think it's uh-huh. like almost like a comic book type yeah of like, i think so um like graphic novel type of thing um the hate you give um of mice and men so a lot of these are books lord of the flies um a lot of these are books that i've already read yeah they're, they're not are, like they're random really ones yeah and they're classics a lot of them Personally, and I, I do feel like once you hit high school, you can tell yourself whether you can handle certain heavy topics. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when you're introduced as a student to books that are fiction, but they handle real life topics, they're easier to handle. Yeah. Than seeing like a real life news article, I feel like if you're introduced to those heavier topics or topics that you're not familiar with, no matter how heavy, um, like the perks of being a wallflower, it's a the themes are heavy, but it it's about a teenager who goes through mental health struggles. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when students can read these books and maybe relate to a fictional character, or not even just relate, but even see these themes but in a fictional way Mm -hmm. it's easier to introduce them that way especially when you have a teacher guiding you and you're in school learning about the themes you have somebody there to help you to teach you background to educate you on the topics not just being out in the real world one day and stumbling across something and you have nobody there to help you through it or no background information
0: Yeah, it also brings a lot of value, like I said, to survivors or people in these tough situations. You get to see directly their point of views. And again, it's fiction. And I really like that point you made about seeing it in the news article. Um, And a good example is how you brought up Kite Runner. So that book talks about terrorism a bit, and it's very scary hearing from Um, the narrator's point of view what's going on in Afghanistan and everything and I can't relate at all to like what situation he was in um, being with all that terrorism but just reading that from his point of view really opened my eye to what it would be like for a refugee having to get away from that Um, and I think it was a great opportunity being able to read that book and discuss it Mm -hmm. in school.
1: And like you said we can't relate to that But um, the book is considered, um, it's about a fictional character, but the, like, terrorism talked about in the book, it's a real problem. And, you know, reading that in early high school, late middle school, you're introduced to that topic. And I think that's important to know about, this is what's going on in the world, and we're not really exposed to it, and we may not be able to relate, but we need to know what's happening in the world. We can't be indifferent and ignorant about it.
0: Yeah, exactly, Um, because these um, threats in other parts of the world, they are something that I should be more educated on. I wish I knew more about, Um, like in recent times, there has been news about it, it's become political, Um, so it's just important to learn these real world things, even in a fiction way, because this book did a great job of teaching about real world issues with a fictional character. Great book. Should not be banned.
1: (laughs) Agreed.
0: Yeah, we have some breaking news of another book. We were gonna move on, but go ahead, tell us this <laughs> ha- other book. We
1: had to say this. Harry Potter is actually controversial, and I think it's because it's with the witchcraft and things like that. Sur- what? <laughs> Sur- and specifically, this one is listed as the first book in the series, so that's like when they're like young, like very like an innocent book. That's a yeah. For, like I think I read the first Harry Potter maybe in like third or fourth grade. It's not a heavy book. It's meant to be entertaining. Yeah, oh,
0: elementary school kids uh, are usually list or reading that. Yeah, and like oh I feel like it's so popular
1: among I mean any age, but I think people are introduced to it pretty young. So just want just had to mention that. Kind
0: of, like, I don't understand because these book bannings aren't just for curriculum. They're for like having them in schools, which I think is ridiculous, and it's. Funny, because um, Barnes & Noble will kind of mock that sometimes, and they'll have a table that says banned books. I
1: love Barnes & Noble. Yeah. I think that's very... I, I like that they do that. Yeah. Just to... I've seen that before, and I think it's interesting how they do that to show... just Even if it just brings awareness to, hey, this is what's up for being banned right now. Yeah.
0: And this... Just, uh, we forgot to note this, but these aren't universal bans. It's not like you can't find this book anywhere. Oh, yes. It's on a local basis, Mm -hmm. um, so it's usually the PTOs or the districts that are deciding. Yeah,
1: and also these are some books that are challenged for being banned or up for being banned. They're not all banned. They're just controversial books that people have definitely talked about.
0: Yeah, um... And specifically, I just see the topics. We, we mentioned specific books, but there's like hundreds of more that are up for being banned. But it says typically it's those involving sexual content, which I get. But yeah. once you get to a certain age, you can't really stop teens from yeah. <laughs> seeing that stuff. But stories about teen pregnancy, which that surprises me because you're able to see what it's like to go through with that. Um, sexual assault, abortion... Those account for 22% of the titles that are trying to be banned. 21% um, directly address race and racism. And 40% feature major characters of color. So I feel like that really says a lot about what's being banned.
1: I think you brought this up earlier, but I just want to highlight that. It's important for people to be given the choice to censor themselves Mm -hmm. versus somebody censoring it for them. Because then if everybody's censored and they have they don't have the sources available, the resources, the books to learn about these things when yeah. they're ready for it, then that creates a society that's just, that isn't informed and can't form opinions.
0: Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of it comes from a place of, like, love and trying to look out for mm-hmm. these people when really it's just doing more harm because You can't protect people from these topics, and I think it's more important for them to learn it in ways such as reading um, than getting misinformation elsewhere.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And also, too, if we're censoring books, then where does the censoring stop in schools? Does it stop in history class? Does it stop in science? Does it stop, like, where's that line?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Because once... I feel like that will just bring us down a big, like, dark hole that they're just going to keep censoring and censoring and censoring. People are going to learn their stuff from the misinformation, Mm -hmm. from the lack of censoring. But just to conclude (laughs) with this episode, we're going to start to wrap things up. But censorship, it's a big topic. A lot of people have different opinions on it. We kind of agreed. But if you don't agree with us, that's okay. Um, Everyone is entitled to their own opinion, like we said, but I just, I feel like censorship, (laughs) it needs to be reevaluated. People throw the word around, but don't really realize the greater impact that it has. Well, thank you for tuning in for this episode. I like how it did turn on censorship that was not planned, but I think it turned out great. I had a great conversation with you, Faith. Thanks for joining.
1: Thank you for having me. I had a lot of
0: fun. Yeah, we'll see you next week.